You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Spiritual Life. This is your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, and you're listening to The Catholic Wire. It's been a long time since our first episode, but we're going to start working in our series so we can uh, release it more frequently. Uh, This first part is actually particularly interesting because we're going to lay all the groundwork, all the basis and the foundation for the future episodes where we will dwell more into detail for each particular thing. In the last episode, just as a brief reminder, we covered how in the spiritual life you have three, they call it ways, I would call them rather degrees or stages. Uh, just like you have, you know, in sports, you have a rookie or, or, or in the army, you have a rookie and a boot camp trainee or a veteran. I don't know anything about the army, as you can see. But, you know, just like that in the spiritual life, you have a beginner degree, an intermediate and an advanced degree. They have a particular name, and that's because the name describes what happens during these degrees. The first one is called purgative, which means cleansing. In the first stage of your spiritual life, you have to focus on cleansing, cleaning your soul from sin, getting rid of bad habits, getting rid of bad inclinations, or trying to check them as much as possible, getting rid of mortal sin and of venial sin even, and even trying to get rid of imperfections. But that first stage is focused on that. We have to do certain penance for our sins. We have to clean our souls from sin. As you do this, you will come to know more our Lord Jesus Christ. You will come to have a deeper knowledge of what the lives of the saints were like, you know, what they really did practice, uh, what virtues are like, what, what you should understand for each one of them. You will come to know, for example, what is a true act of, of obedience, how to make acts of humility, how to make acts of charity, what kind of uh, works of mercy you can do to become a saint. You will become more acquainted with the truths of the gospel, with the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, and hence with our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because your soul is learning all these new things and is receiving grace and is now it's passed from getting rid of bad bad things now it's trying to acquire good things to acquire virtue to acquire grace that's why it's like light is coming into your soul and it's that's why this way is called this part of the spiritual life is called the illuminative way as you progress in this process you will see that the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ becomes deeper and hence your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ becomes also deeper. There begins to be more of a commitment from your part and also from our Lord Jesus Christ. And because that commitment becomes deeper and deeper and closer, 
we call the third way the unitive way because there is a union between the soul and the God of, her, of the soul, our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a deeper knowledge of the Most Holy Trinity. This union is manifested in the depth of your surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ, how much you give yourself to him and how much he gives himself to you. Now, in this unitive way, there can be graces that are far beyond what we read in most books, uh, graces that are quite uh, of a great magnitude. One of these graces is what they call the spiritual matrimony. And what that means is that the soul becomes so much given to God, and God gives himself so much to the soul, that God gives to the soul the grace of never being separated from God again. He basically gives the soul the grace of never committing sin again. And this is called a spiritual matrimony because it is as if God and the soul were united from that moment on, even from this earth, until the, she gets to heaven or he gets to heaven. This is a very rare grace. Not even all the saints reached all this grace. Some of them did not. But it's a grace that we ought to aspire for. It's a beautiful thing and it is attainable for many people if we, do, uh, if we are faithful to the graces that God gives us. Now, that's kind of what we covered in the last episode. In these next two episodes, I do want to cover, first of all, the practices that you need to do on a daily basis or mostly daily basis in order to keep a healthy spiritual life. Just like in your physical life, you would need to do certain activities regardless of where you are, regardless of whether if you're fit or you're fat, uh, you would still need to do the same things if you want to be healthy. You would need to eat well, you would need to exercise, you would need to go to sleep. In the same way, in the spiritual life, there are certain practices that regardless of where you are, you need to do if you want to remain healthy. That we will cover in the next episode. In this episode, I want to cover the general dispositions that you need to have in order for those practices to actually render fruit. Many times it happens that a person engages in the spiritual life. They try to start some devotions. They try to start meditation. They try to start maybe doing some, men some mental prayer and reading, all those things. And they get discouraged. It gets too hard. And they cannot persevere. They find it too difficult to not be distracted. They find it too difficult sometimes to read and so forth and so forth. And the reason why they find it difficult is because they, have, they don't have the proper dispositions. Picture, if you will, your soul as the ground. Like someone just gave you a big property. And they tell you, well, you're going to plant all these trees and fruits and vegetables in this property. Those would be the virtues that you want to practice. But the thing is, if you want those things to succeed, you need to prepare the soil. You need to get rid of the plants. You need to make sure that there is water. You need to make sure that there is depth, that there are no rocks, so forth and so forth. What we are going to discuss today are the dispositions that you need to have for your spiritual life to be successful. Now, the first one of these dispositions is what we call recollection. I will call it 
simply the renunciation of the world. And what that means is to put away from our lives all things that are vain, useless, unnecessary, distracting. The word recollection itself means to recollect is to gather back, to keep, to bring back to yourself. When you give yourself to useless entertainments, to things that are just distractions, such as, for example, YouTube videos, uh, social media, you know, reading the news or listening to the news more often than you really need to, and things of the same sort, you know, conversations about other people, all that kind of stuff is like you're taking the assets of your soul, you're taking your powers, your imagination, your will, your sight, your hearing, and you're just dispersing them through the world. You are just throwing them all over the place. You're throwing them in each one of those distractions. They're all dispersed. This means, this disposition means you have to gather all those things. Don't waste them anymore in the world. Think of your thoughts, your words, your actions as investment. All of these things are things that you can invest either in the world or God. Right now we have a lot of our stocks in the world. We invest a lot of these things, a lot of our resources, our inner resources. We invest them in the world. We gain no profit from that. What I'm saying here is to take all those things away from the world and invest them now in God. That's recollection. You're taking all that time that you were giving to all those things and you're going to invest it to put it in God. We will cover this in another episode to speak about it more in detail. There's a whole book written about this, actually, in, in the 16th century. But um, for now, we will just leave it at that. Let's try to at least remove all the things that are vain, unnecessary, and distracting. To this, there is a balance. You know, the Holy Ghost is going to guide you little by little to see what things you need to get away from. When you see that you go to prayer, when you see that you go to read, and you find it difficult, and there will be something else in your mind, well, a lot of times you will see that that something else was not necessary, and that is maybe the thing that you need to give away. You don't need to go to extremes. I understand that many of you are mothers, uh, fathers, husbands, uh, sisters perhaps, and you have a lot of stuff that you need to go into. But if it's not your duty, if it's vain, if it's just distracting and there is no reason for it, then that's the kind of stuff that needs to go away. Or at least it needs to be checked in a great degree. Now, before we continue with the show today, I had forgotten to give us the quote from the saints for today. And that would be a quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola. And it says, teach us to give and not count the cost. Now, St. Ignatius of Loyola, you remember, was a soldier when he first uh, uh, began his conversion. And so he brought a lot of the mindset of the soldier. He wanted to be a soldier such that he would gain a lot of glory in the world. He wanted to be the greatest soldier in the kingdom. He was ambitious. And when he converted, he brought a lot of that ambition now to the spiritual side. He wanted to be as holy as uh, St. Francis. He wanted to, be, to do all the things that St. Dominic did, all the things that St. Bernard did. He basically said, all the things that the saint did, that's what I want to do to reach the place that they reached. 
So at first, his mindset was that, you know, his own glory. Little by little, as he started his conversion, he started switching that mindset rather to God's glory, to aim everything at the greater glory of God, which became his model, all for the greater glory of God. Now, this quote is beautiful. He says, teach us to give and not to count the cost. And what he means by that is he's telling God, teach me to do your will, regardless of how much sacrifices it might cost me, regardless of what I have to give away, regardless of any inconvenience that there might be for me. Teach me to do only your will. That's what St. Ignatius is telling us today in the quote of the saints. Now back to our show. The second disposition that we need to have is what I would call a spirit of fidelity to our duties, the duties of state. Now, what are the duties of state? Those are the obligations that you have according to the vocation, the place where God has put you. Now, this is, I would say, one of the main means of sanctification. If I had to give a priority and say which one of these is more important, I would definitely say duties of state goes first. And that's because, as we will see, it is through the duties of state that God leads us to practice virtue and to get rid of sin. I'll explain why in a moment. The duties of state are going to be different according to your place in life. You know this, if you're a mother, you will have different duties than if you're a father or uh, if you're a priest or a sister. But you have duties to different degrees and different levels. You have duties as a friend. You have duties to your country. You have duties to your family. You have duties to your parish and so forth. Now, a problem happens here because a lot of times we're not informed of the duties of our state. Many parents, for example, become parents and they have seen other people parenting and they see and they think that they know how to parent. I don't think anybody knows anybody thinks that at the first baby. But you know, you kind of think that you don't really need to study that. But actually, you have to remember this. We're living in a world that has forgotten Catholic culture and Catholic upbringing. We're living in a world that has lost the faith. So most of the people that you see outside are not going to give you the full picture, not, not, even, not even close sometimes, to what a true Catholic parenting should look like. And so you actually need to go back and study. What did the church teach? What did the saints do? What was the way in which parents, Catholic parents, were training their children when things were going properly in the world? You need to study the duties of your state. I won't go into that in, in a lot of detail, we will go cover that in other episodes. But I do want to say a couple things about this. I was saying that I was going to explain why they're so important. The first thing is, if, if they're going to produce the effect that they have to produce, you have to be, according to your duties of state, you have to be regular and persevering with them. What that means is that you have to do them all the time, whenever you're required to. Because that's only when, when you practice your duties of state, at the moments when it becomes difficult, at the moments when it's annoying, when it's perhaps tiring, that's when you really grow in virtue. So it's fundamental that you practice them faithfully. I'll give you an example of this. It's a short story. One time I was going on my mission, seven hours away, 
And as I was walking out of the church, I find these little weights. They're five pound weights. And I think to myself, I'm driving for seven hours, not doing really anything, you know, maybe listening to stuff. Might as well do something physical. I take the weights with me. And as I'm driving, I'm trying to do some weights. Now, let's not discuss the safety of that. That's not the point here. Uh, what's interesting is I had a priest friend of mine that came into the car with me and he looks at me and he looks at the weights and then he starts laughing and he says these are five pound weights you might as well just be lifting your arm up and down you'll be doing the same thing imagine that you're trying to do weights and that you're doing five pound weights and then when someone gives you 10 pound or 15 pound or 20 you say oh that's too heavy I don't want to do that it's too hard well you would never gain muscle the same thing happens in your spiritual life. If you stop practicing your duties when they're difficult and burdensome, then you will never gain spiritual muscle. So you have to be persevering with them. Remember that one of the main goals of our spiritual life is to gain virtue, not for ourselves, as St. Ignatius at the first but rather for God. We gain virtue to become more pleasing to God. But that is our main goal in the spiritual life because one of the virtues is precisely charity, love of God. So everything in our life must be aimed at improving in the practice of virtue. Now, another thing that should be mentioned is that you should be honest. Regarding your duties of state, there can be two extremes. One is to be too lazy and the other one is to be a workaholic. You have to be honest and see where are you at. If you're more of a lazy person that you know that you have to lean more to working more than you would usually. You have to lean more to forcing yourself to work. If you're more of a workaholic, then you'll have to force yourself rather to control yourself, to limit yourself to what is really your duty and then give the rest of the time to your spiritual practices, to your works of mercy to whatever else is profitable for your spiritual life. I will say one last thing, and this will end this uh, other section. And that is, don't feel bad if your duties of state hinder you from some spiritual practices. This is something I will always insist on. I said at the beginning that the duties of state take precedence over everything else. And that is because if, for some reason, you stop doing something else because of your duties, God will supply, because your duties are God's will. I'll give you an example. Imagine that you're a mother, and you're craving for those moments of meditation where you finally get to have peace and talk to God. And as soon as you kneel down and everything is quiet around you and the lights go off, and, and you're finally getting into this mystical moment where you start raising up from the air, and then suddenly, bah, one of the children is crying and someone, you know, slaps someone else and it's like, ah, you really don't want that right now. Well, come down from the, from the air, get down on the floor, go and take care of that baby or that child, because that's how God is sanctifying you. That's what you need right now, your duties of state. And whatever you're losing in not meditating, God will supply. This show is not just for women. Imagine that you're a man and that you're finally getting back home. You're really tired. You say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to read. I'm going to do my spiritual reading because I have to. And as soon as you sit down in the couch and you start reading, maybe the wife comes and she goes like, oh, don't read that right now. We have this problem, this baby, this, 
you know, your son, 16-year-old, is out and about and we don't know where and he's hanging out with his friends, get up from the couch, close that book and understand what's happening at that moment is that God is telling you to do that instead of reading. God will supply for the rest. Now it's time for our stories of the saints. And we're going to talk today about Saint Teresa of Avila, who I have over there in the bookshelf. And she is a very interesting saint because she was actually one of the saints that went deeper into prayer. At the beginning of the show, I was talking about some saints that got the grace of spiritual matrimony, where God unites himself to them in such a way that they can sin no more. That actually happened to Saint Teresa of Avila. And she re writes about this in her book. Now, Saint Teresa of Avila, I was saying, is a very interesting saint because she wasn't always like that. When she went to the convent, the convent was a very uh, dissipated one. It was a convent uh, with some worldliness. And one of the practices that they had was that the nuns would be allowed to go into the locutorio, like the talking parlor, you could say. I'm not sure if that's a proper translation. And in there, they would meet with people from the world and talk about, quote-unquote, spiritual things. St. Teresa of Avila did this a lot. Now, she says herself she had no bad intention. She actually was trying to, to do spiritual profit to the people that talked to her. But regardless of that, it was a bad practice, a bad idea, and our Lord was not pleased with them. St. Teresa of Avila even got to the point where she would no longer do mental prayer. She spent a long time during her life where she would not do mental prayer at all. She could not take it. She says that even at one point, she would go to prayer and she would be counting the ticks of the clock until it was over. So hard was it for her. What changed things was that one day she was talking to one of these persons. And as they were talking, they saw a toad on the distance. But this was not a regular toad. It was way bigger than any normal toad and very monstrous, and it started jumping towards them in a very scary manner. Obviously, this was a representation of the devil, or rather, of the vanity of what they were doing. St. Teresa took that as a sign from God, and she told the persons that, was she, that were seeing her that she was not going to see them anymore. And after that, she started taking her life together, recollecting again, and trying to get back to mental prayer. And to get to the point where we know now that she is one of the greatest teachers of prayer in the church. Now, something that is notable about this story is that you would think, well, that's not such a big deal what she was doing. Well, at one point, our Lord revealed to her the place in hell that she would have taken had she not stopped the practice that she was doing. Now, this goes to show simply that we can always go back to take our life and to recollect again and come back to mental prayer and to try to be more devoted. That is the whole point of what we're trying to do in this show. We have two more things to cover, and one of them is actually very important for anyone who is really getting into the spiritual life and is what I would call the spirit of obedience to the church, or you could also consider it as spiritual direction. Now, what this means is that in your spiritual life, you should, meet, you should not be guided 
by your own lights, by your own decisions, your own whims. The Bible says that he who has himself for a teacher has a fool for a teacher. In the spiritual life, this is so much more so. Our Lord has given us the church and obedience to his representatives as a sure means to know his will. That is how we come to know God's will, through God's representatives. If you listen to yourself, no matter how wise you might be, you always run the risk of making mistakes. If you listen to lawful God represent, representatives of God in this earth, you never run the risk of making a mistake, as long as what they're telling you to do is obviously good and not sinful. Now, what is a spiritual director? This is an episode that is we're going to cover, actually, because there's a lot to say about this. But the point to be made is that a spiritual director in the spiritual life is meant to keep track on you, to make sure that you persevere in your good resolutions. He's simply a person that is kind of like in a, in a toll, you know, on the road, you're going on the highway, and there's a person in the toll, and they check on you. That's kind of what the spiritual director is. He is someone that is supposed to keep track on you. He checks you every now and then to make sure that you're doing the right thing. He is also someone that is going to support you in making inter uh, important and momentous decisions. Decisions that in the spiritual life you should never make by yourself. In the episode that we will have in the future, we will cover what you should mention in spiritual direction. But right now, what is important to understand is you should try to submit to obedience in this sense because that's how you always know that you're doing God's will. And you will avoid very serious mistakes. In the spiritual life, there is the risk of going one extreme or the other. You can go very lax, which is what most people do, but also the devil sometimes will tempt you to go in a very strict mode, to go uh, to an extreme the spiritual director is the one person that will keep you in check. I could tell about stories about this also, but we will leave that for the next episodes. The point to be made here is that if you have good resolutions, let's say that you were saying, I'm going to fast for every day from now on, I'm just going to eat one loaf of bread or one slice of bread and one cup of water throughout the whole day forever. And let's say that you were really going to do that. And the priest tells you, no, eat normally. Well, you gain there two or, or a double merit. You gain the merit of what you were going to do, if you really were going to do it. And you also gain the merit of obedience. So you can never go wrong if you obey, again, in lawful and good things. When it comes to the spiritual director, there is something that we will mention, and I do want to mention here. You do have to choose the priest, if you have a choice, as we will say later on, a lot of times you don't. But if you do have a choice, you should try to choose the priest that is going to direct you. Many times God will send him to you, other times you might have to go and look for him. And St. Teresa uh, would speak of two qualities that you want to see in the priest. He should be learned and he should be holy. I will say here, instead of holy, that he should be in good standing. Why do I say that? Because it's not our place to judge which priest is holier than the other. We really don't know those things. But if you know that the priest is in good standing, if you know that he has good reputation, that he is taken as a prudent counselor, 
then you know that's a priest in good standing. And St. Teresa mentions learned, or learned, I should say. That rules me out. Uh, and she mentions that because she suffered a lot from people who were ignorant but thought that they knew. Uh, she suffered from this for 20 years. It's important to go to a priest that knows his moral theology, that knows what kind of stuff happens in prayer sometimes, that knows how to deal with such things in a prudent fashion. Now, I would presume, uh, certainly with good foundation, that all the priests that we recommend here in the Catholic Wire, uh, which is basically all the priests of our congregation and of other congregations, um, are good priests and would be fitting for this. But as, as, a, as a person that is going to be directed, you do have the right to sometimes notice those things and say, well, this is a priest that maybe uh, is shooting from the hip, that is telling me stuff that other good priests are contradicting. He's telling me stuff that I found in books, is, uh, uh, teachings that are contrary to what he says. So things like that. We should never be disrespectful. We should never be irreverent with priests. But spiritual direction is something that takes a lot more consideration and it's a lot more personal. And so there one has the right to actually choose. Okay, this is a good priest. They're all good priests. Uh, maybe this one is not as uh, informed as I could use the help of someone else. So I will go with this other priest that is more informed without any disrespect, without any irreverence, without any judging. St. Teresa would say even, that she preferred a learned priest rather than a holy one who would not be learned. Why did she say this? She said this because if a priest knows his stuff, if he knows the books and he knows where to look for things, he will know what he ignores. He will know when to say, this is not something that I'm acquainted with. This is not something that I'm prepared to do. He will know how to direct you to someone else. He will know where to look for things. He will be familiar with the lives of the saints, with things that happen with the saints, with temptations that are common, uh, with things that are forbidden by the church and that sometimes you might run into and he might be able to tell you, no, that's a devotion that is not permitted or that's a devotion that is not recommended. So a learned priest is in a certain way safer than a holy priest that has not much knowledge. Now, as I said, it's important to, as a lay people, not take that role. We are far below than priests as a lay person. But you can compare from one priest to another, as you would compare from a shepherd to another shepherd, and say, I want to go with this shepherd. I want to be helped by this one, because he seems to help me more. Now, to be realistic, in most of the times, you won't be able to choose. Most of the times, you will have one priest available, and the next one is going to be five hours away. So in th that's why I'm saying most of the priests that I know of are very commendable for, this ma for that matter. But if you do want to be advised by another priest or you want to go to counsel to another priest, well, there's nothing wrong with using letters or emails or even phone calls. Now, what I would suggest is never reveal things from your conscience, such as sins specifically, uh, through those means. You can simply speak in a very vague manner and just reveal to them the state of your soul in a, in a broad aspect and ask for advice. And then later on, when you get to just a chance to confess, you can confess your sins as specifically as you want to. Now, that would be all when it comes to spiritual direction.
Now it's time to go to our quote from the Gospel before we continue with our episode. And today's quote from the Gospel is taken from St. Luke. We're in chapter 9, and the quote is verse 24. Our Lord is talking to his disciples, and he says to them, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For he that shall lose his life for my sake shall save it. Again, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For he that shall lose his life for my sake shall save it. What our Lord means to say there is precisely going back to this topic of recollection. Our Lord is saying, he who decides to renounce these things of his life that he enjoys very much, but he decides to renounce them for my sake, to be with me, to keep me company, to come closer to me, he will gain true life. He will gain eternal life. He will, call, he will come to the true life of grace. But if someone wants to keep his life here on this world as he knows it, if someone wants to keep his desires, his whims, his uh, entertainments, all his vain uh, attractions, he will lose that and he will also lose his soul. He will lose eternal life, the life of grace. That is our quote from the Gospel today. Again, is from St. Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. For he that shall lose his life for my sake shall save it. Now to go to the last point of today's episode, the schedule or a rule of life. This is very important. For the dispositions of our spiritual life, uh, we're saying that these are things that are necessary for us to be able to profit from, from our spiritual practices. It is fundamental that you have a certain order in your life because otherwise you won't be able to persevere. So for example, if you want to persevere in reading good books, if you don't have order in your life, it will be very hard for you to make time every day to read those books. You need to have a certain time frame, a certain schedule. And this will also lead you to have goals, to have a view of why you're doing this and where you want to go. Your life so far is being imagined that you're running down the hill. You're running down a very steep hill. And as you keep running and running, it keeps, it keeps getting faster and faster. And you are kind of losing the sense of where am I going? Why am I doing this? What I'm asking you to do right now is stop, make an effort and stop. Look around and say, where do I want to go from here? Where am I aiming at? Do I want to be a perfect wife? And how do I want to be a perfect wife? Do I want to be a holy husband? And what does that mean exactly? What do I have to get out of my life? What do I have to bring in? Do I want to be a holy priest or a holy sister? Based on those things, you will come to have a set of priorities. And you will come to say, okay, this is more important than that. So these things have to be scheduled. They have to be in my day, no matter what I have to do them. And so your schedule of life, your rule of life, is going to be done in this way. You will say, I wake up at this, more, at this time, I go to sleep at this time. When I wake up, these are my priorities. I have to do these things. After I've done these duties, then whatever comes with the day, I'll do. Same thing when we go to the night. Okay, I've done all my things. At the end of my day, these things I have to do. 
or I have to be sure that I have done them during the day. If you try to set up a schedule that is super exact, where you say, okay, I'm going to take this, you know, this hour for this, and then 5.45 for that, and then 6.47 for this, and then 5.33 to do this and that, that's quite probably not going to happen. It's important to be realistic. But what you should do is set up at least the basic stuff that you know for sure that you need to do. And particularly when you wake up, when you go to bed, and the spiritual practices that are fundamental, which we will cover in the episode regarding this. This is another, I was saying, just to finish, this is another necessary disposition, because without this, you will not have continuity. And without continuity, you won't have perseverance. And without perseverance, you won't have fruit in the trees of your spiritual life. If you have a tree or a vegetable garden, and you water them one day, a lot, and then the next day nothing, and then another day you soak the whole thing, and then for three days you don't water it, those plants are going to die. You won't get any fruit from that. The same goes for your spiritual life. And for that, as I was saying, it's super important to have a schedule. Now, these are all the basic dispositions that you need to have in order to advance in your spiritual life. As I said, we will cover each one of them in more detail, Later on, in the next episode, we're going to cover the basic practices that you have to have in your spiritual life. We'll see you then. God bless you, and thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Wire. If you have found this show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels 